I guess month, month, maybe a little longer now. We've been in, we've been going through First Corinthians for for over a year now, I guess. But we got to the section, chapter twelve, chapter thirteen, chapter fourteen, that we're dealing with. We're dealing with Paul is dealing with spiritual gifts, and we, we looked in chapter twelve where gifts are given and why they're given, and and they're given ultimately for the edification. They were signs. They were given as a sign to the Jews. That was the the real reason they were given is to to give validity. And, and to, to, to this, this new thing, the birth of the church, to those Jews that were there. But it was also, it was, you look at the situation of what was going on, there were, there were people there from all over the, the world who spoke all these different languages. And so God gave the gift of tongues so that they could communicate in, in other people's languages so they could hear the truth of the Word of God. And so as we've looked through this, we saw how Paul says these gifts were given not for your own edification, but for the body of Christ. Gifts, you know, some, some would tell you you have, to, you have to be saved, and then you have to be baptized, and then you have to, uh, they would say you have to really be baptized when you baptize the Holy Spirit, and you have to speak in tongues as evidence of your salvation or you're not really saved. Folks, we don't believe that at all. Salvation is by grace through faith. Salvation is by grace through faith. The, the gospel is very clear. It's belief in, in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. My baptism, do a wonderful thing. It's an obedience. After, after I'm saved, I should be baptized. It is a profession of my faith. But I, 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 don't, I don't have to be baptized to be saved. I don't have to speak in tongues to be saved or to show that I'm saved, to prove that I'm saved. Nothing like that. So Paul is dealing with this because they had problems within the church when it came to the, 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 the sign gifts, these miraculous gifts. And so chapter 12, he lays out the body of Christ. He lays out the gifts. Then in chapter 13, he talks about love, that love endures forever. It'll never fail. Prophecies, they're going to fail. Knowledge will fail. Tongues will cease. These sign gifts. And he says, he says that which is perfect. And we come to that. So over the last couple weeks, we saw this when we learned where Paul informed the, the Corinthians that when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Now that which is perfect, we've looked at for the last couple of weeks. That's the completed word of God. It's the canon of Scripture. Now, some will make that which is perfect has come as the second coming of Christ. And it's out of context. It doesn't fit with everything Paul's talking about right there. When we look at this, he's talking about the reasons for the gifts and the, and the, and the prophecies were used to communicate the, at that point, incomplete word of God. Everything had not been given. So when that which is perfect has come, which is the completed word of God, which came at the end of the first century, then he says that which is in part... The sign gifts, prophecies, knowledge, the tongues, interpretations, and other of those sign gifts, they would be done away with. There would be no need for those gifts anymore. Folks, when we've got the Word of God, we have everything. Do we need somebody that says, oh, I have a word of prophecy? No. We're going we're to look at that a, a little later in the message about why, why we don't need that. But we have everything we need right here. It was completed into the first century when, when John finished the revelation of Jesus Christ. When he finished that book, it was done. It was sealed. The Holy Spirit's done. We have everything we need for today. We don't need a special word of knowledge. We don't need a special word of prophecy or any of these things. And I'm thoroughly convinced as we've studied this out, I'm thoroughly convinced that with the completion of the Bible near the end there of the first century, that all of those sign gifts faded away. Therefore, what we see today in, in tongue-speaking churches, um, it's not biblical. 
Okay, and I'm not trying to offend anyone. If, if, if that's your background, if that's your belief, I'm not trying to offend you. But I'm going I'm to try to communicate what, what, what we believe based upon Scripture about this thing. And so if tongues did indeed cease there at the end of the first century, then what we're seeing today can't be tongues if tongues ceased. If the sign gift ceased, we don't see those today. And I would contend that we do not see those today. We see some strange things going on in some churches, but we don't see the gift of tongues where we would expect to see the gift of tongues, where it is needed to communicate across a language barrier. Uh, all of our new tribes folks would be like, send it on down, Lord. We'll, t we'll take it. If that's a gift that is in existence today, they of all people would have wanted it. For, 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 for uh, 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 oh, Marvin, I just, you're Stephen Crockett. For Stephen and them over there, and, and, and you know, for, to spend 20 years, they had to go in, learn to, to communicate with the people, slowly learn the language, and then put their language, create a, a vocabulary or, or an alphabet for it so they could put it in a written language. And then to, com to translate the scriptures into that 20-year process to get the New Testament translated into that local language. Wouldn't it be great if God just gave you the tongue, you went in, and boy, you could communicate instantly. You knew the language. You could just translate the Bible for them, and boom, in a year's time, you had that. But, the, but that, that's not what we're seeing today. And then we do see the things that are going on in churches that I do not believe are biblical. So here in chapter 14, Paul is giving instructions to the church at Corinth concerning the use of spiritual gifts in church meetings. Now understand that at that time when Paul was writing this, the gifts were still uh, in use. They were still there. They were, they were, the tongues were in existence. The prophecies were in existence. The, the, the word of knowledge, those, knowledge was in existence. those things, those gifts were still in place in that time. So we have to read this in the context of then not trying to read upon then based on what we see today. Okay, So we can't go, well, there's tongues going on, so tongues must exist, and, and so let's apply that today. No, we go back and we say, no, tongues ceased. Based upon the word here, tongues have ceased, so signs, gifts have ceased. So what we're seeing in churches today is not, is not biblical. Now, what does that mean? What are, so what we'd say is what, a lot of what Paul is saying to that church in Corinth wouldn't even apply to us today because we don't speak in tongues. We don't have tongues. We don't have prophecies in our churches today. But there are principles from what Paul teaches there that absolutely apply today. And I hope you'll understand that as we go through this this morning and, and work through this. So... Uh, the, 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 the Corinthians were abusing that. They were abusing the, the, the gifts that were given. Um, they were using these gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit had given. They were, they were using them for their own attention. They were using them to bring recognition to themselves or maybe to be seen as more prominent in the church or to be seen as more spiritual. You know, it's a whole lot easier to, 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 to speak in tongues or speak in some babble and folks say, oh, wow, he spoke in tongues, he's spiritual. It's a whole lot easier that than to be on your knees in prayer, spend time in the Word of God and actually grow its work. It's, if anybody says that Christianity is easy, there's nothing easy about it. It's work. But it's work that God empowers us to do. As we get in the Word of God and we grow and learn, it takes years to grow in maturity. You know, Levi, Levi's how old now? 18 months? See, 18 months. It took 18 months for him to be 18 months old. Right? Silly. Oh, Pastor Captain Obvious again. Yeah, but the point is this. He didn't in a month become 18 months old. 
He doesn't, you don't just bypass things. It takes time to grow in maturity. Well, some people didn't want to grow in maturity. They'd rather just ha have a gift and, and show off their gift in church so people would think they're spiritual. And there was a lot of what was going on there. So Paul gives several instructions for the use of gifts in the church services. And that's really what, really what chapter 14 is about. Now, last week we got started with this, and we looked at a couple of things that have to be involved here. First one was edification. Verses 1 through 5 was edification. And, and the gifts that were given are always for building up others. We go back to chapter 12. What were the gifts given for? They were for the building up of the body of Christ. It wasn't for my own edification. And I'm going to tell you if, you, if you talk to folks that are in that in that in those types of churches today a lot of that it's about self-edification praying in my tongues it builds me up it, it's it's a lot about me me a lot of me me me's in there okay our, our faith ain't about me 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 it ain't the me 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 me's it's about you 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 it should be me serving you it'd be you serving me it's we serve each other it ain't about building me up so edification is building others up, not the individual. God gave the gifts, and the gifts he gives us today, folks, they're not for my own edification. They're for your edification. They're for others' edification, for building them up. Second thing we, he talked about was in verses 6 through 12 where he talked about meaning. And, and what he was saying is that there, we must be able to understand what is said or, 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 it, or it should not be said. I mean, that's what Paul was saying. If, if, I can't under, if somebody, you come in and you're talking something, nobody understands it, it's useless. You're just talking in the air. It's a, waste of, it's a waste of even your breath. So what are you doing? If they don't understand it, come in and it needs to be, there needs to be meaning behind the things that are said, the words that are said. And there needs to be so that you can understand what is said and, uh, and gain the meaning from it. Okay. So the third thing we'll pick up today is the third thing that Paul is, is, lays out for them is this, this thought of thinking. About thinking, okay? Verses 13 through 19. Verse 13 says, Therefore, let he who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Okay? That means provide meaning. So if someone, now again, they, some of this may have just been a show. Some of it could have been babble. We want to put on the, the Corinthian church what we see today. Well, it was just babbling. It was nonsense. It wasn't. No, I don't think that's the case. There was the gift of gifts, of tongues. There were those who had the gift of tongues. They could speak in another language. But they're coming into church. They're speaking a language that nobody understood. And so they speak this language and nobody understands it. Paul says, look, if you're going to speak in a tongue, you need to pray that you can interpret. If you can't give an interpretation for it, then you shouldn't say it. And the fact is, if you know what you're saying, you ought to just say it in English the first time. I mean, that's, the, that's why, why in the world are you going through this rigmarole of speaking this other language just to look good in the church that wasn't needed? Verse 14, he says, for if, for if. Now, now Paul's not saying when I, when I do that. Paul says, now, for if I pray in a tongue, I mean, I pray in another language. He says, my spirit prays. Now, understand, there are those who will tell you that that right there is my spirit prays. I'm praying in the spirit. That's a, that's a, a prayer language. That's not a prayer language. My spirit, that's a small s. That's talking me, my spirit. That's my own inner being, who I am. That's what he's saying. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So there's, a, there's you, you, as you read this, you think some are speaking in tongues. They could speak in the language. They didn't know what they were saying in the language. God was giving them things to say, but they're speaking this language. They don't even, even understand it. I've been in other countries. I've... I've I know enough Spanish to get me in trouble. I know, I know a couple of words in Russian. I know a few Tajik words. But, you know, you start hearing things, and you can real easily say something, and you're saying something you didn't think you were saying. Uh, you didn't know you were saying that, and people's faces go, 
And you go, oh, oh, okay, I won't say that again. I don't know what I said, but I'm not going to say it again because you see the reaction. They, they may not have known what they were saying, but here's the deal. They're saying it out of their spirit or whatever, out of, out of deep inside, whatever. I'm moved. I feel moved. I need to speak this language. I don't even know what I'm saying. Paul's saying, you need to know what you're saying. And if you don't know, if you can't give interpretation for it, you need to be quiet. Okay, it's unfruitful. My spirit, not the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says in verse 15, he says, what is the conclusion then? Paul says, I will pray in the Spirit. He's talking, I'll pray. I'll pray in the deepest part of who I am and what I am. And, and all. I'll pray that. And I will pray also. I will also pray with the understanding. Paul's saying, I don't check my brain out. I don't turn my brain off when I start praying. I don't go into gibberish. I don't go into babbling. I don't even go into speaking another language that I don't understand. I do not check my understanding at the door. Does that make sense? I'm going to continue to be engaged with my mind in this. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. I'll know what I'm singing. I'll know cognitively. Folks, this practice of getting in a a prayer closet and asking something to speak through you is dangerous. Something's going to speak through you that you, you open yourself up and go, uh, you, you know, talk through me. To, and, and you don't, you, it, could, it could be that a, a demon, and you go, preacher, now you're getting out there. No, this is, this is real stuff. You open yourself up for demon oppression, demon possession, for a demon to speak in you and curse the name of God. And you think, oh, I'm glorifying the Lord. Well, if you don't know what you're saying, then you don't know what you're saying. Okay? So it's real, it's real important. Um, I will not... Paul says, I will not check my brain at the door. I will not give away thought and understanding in my prayer life. The Holy Spirit does not pray through a person and bypass his mind. Never does God work that way in our lives. He never bypasses our mind. Paul would later write in, in Romans 12 too, he says, I do not, uh, he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He didn't say check your mind out. He says, renew your mind. Bathe your mind in the Word of God. Bathe your mind in prayer. Bathe your, renew your mind that you, may, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And again, in, his, in, in the letter in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, he says this, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing, listen, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Be careful, folks. Don't get caught up in emotion. Even as we, we don't believe in the tongues and stuff. Don't get caught up in emotion and check your brain out. And just turn it off. And just, just function on emotion. Don't do that. Even in our worship services. I've seen, I've seen Christian, good Christian people that get carried away in a worship service. And it's all about emotion. Folks, we don't check our brains and we don't turn them off when we get into worship. We, are, we, we should cognitively know who we're worshiping, what we're worshiping, what we're worshiping about. Amen? Amen. That ought to be in our minds, at a part of our minds. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, Jesus said to, to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We worship the Lord with our minds. We have an understanding. D.A. Carson, he wrote, Our God is a thinking, speaking God. And if we will know Him, we must learn to think His thoughts after Him. So important, folks, that we, we are, we're using our brains as we, as we worship the Lord. Verse 16, Otherwise, if, if you bless with the Spirit, how will He who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say. 
All right, Wednesday nights, we gather for the meal. At 545, we have prayer. What if someone's praying and, and you don't, man, you don't know what they're saying? Somebody just starts, they're, 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 you don't, huh, what? They're, all you know, you hear something you don't understand. They could be speaking Greek or Hebrew or what, you don't know. And so how do you know when they're done? How do you know amen? How do you know what they said is right? In here, sometimes we say amen. And that's, a, that's a, an agreement saying, that's right. Bring on. Bring on. That's truth. That's truth. Yes, I agree with that. That's good. That's what we're saying. If I'm up here and you don't know what I'm saying, and I understand. Some of you are from Georgia. John Marr understands me. He needs no interpreter. He and I speak the same tongue. Uh, some others in here are like, what did he just say? Trish, there she is. Trish, sometimes on Wednesday night, she'll say, what? What did you just say? Uh, she needs an interpreter. Okay. Um, you gotta, if, if they gotta understand. They gotta understand what they're amen and if if they're gonna amen it, right? You gotta be in agreement. You gotta be able to be in agreement because you gotta know what it is in order to be in agreement. Verse seventeen: For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. They're not edified because they don't know what you said. You just you just prayed and 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 you you gave thanks for the meal and all this or whatever, and you said amen and they didn't. They uh, what? They're not edified. They didn't hear what you, they didn't understand what you were saying. So I thank my God I speak with tongues. Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Verse 19, yet in the church. He says, I speak, I speak tongues more than all of you. Look what he says, verse 19, yet in the church. I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. And Paul spoke all these other languages that God had given him through the gift of tongues. Language, folks. It was language that, that he gave. And he could speak with all these different people. But Paul says, Paul spoke you know, all these other languages, but he did not speak in tongues. This is what I gather. He did not speak in tongues in the church. I'll speak so that you can understand. Not that I can look good or I can edify myself. I'm going to speak so that you can understand, so that you can gain from this. Uh, now, with the barbarian or with the Romans or with other peoples he encountered, he spoke in their language in order to share the good news with them. However, he'd rather speak five words in the common language than 10,000 in, in a foreign tongue. Listen, there are people today who would rather speak five, foreign, five, five words in a foreign tongue and, and, and feel like they've done something than to speak 10,000 in a clear language to, to understand and edify the others. Amen? So what would be the benefit of that? You know, what, what's the benefit if I speak all this stuff that nobody understands? There's no edifying. There's no building up in that. So as a rule, we, we, ha, we, we got to be careful and not let our feelings get in the way. And I think that's a lot of what goes on in, in certain churches today. But even for us, we have to make sure we guard our emotions. All right, I'm not saying that we as Christians aren't emotional. Are we emotional? I am. Cliff, I mean, Cliff, I'm getting better, Cliff. But I can't hardly call on Cliff. He's crying. And I'm up here wanting to cry because... We're just, we're just emotional, and that's okay. It doesn't make him less manly. It doesn't make me less manly. I know that. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Um, but, but, you know, those emo it's okay to be emotional, but I'm not talking about getting caught up in your emotions so that you check your brain. So there was one, an illustration of this. There was this dad, and he was excited and nervous about the birth of their first child. And so when the day of that much-anticipated time comes, and the wife's like, honey, it's time to go. Baby's on the way. So the father drove, and... And he's driving, and, and, he, and, he's, and, he, and he gets by, and he drives right by the main entrance of the hospital, the midding entrance of the hospital. And his wife says to him, says, Bill, uh, that's where we're supposed to go. 
He says, no, 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 honey. I just saw a sign that said deliveries in the back. <laughs> he was pulling around back. He got all caught up. He checked his brain because he's all caught up in the emotion. He couldn't think. And look, we, we got to keep thinking. It's a big part of how we, how we worship our Lord and, and how we function in church is thinking. So the principle here, the real issue here is clarity in communication. It's clarity in communication. And uh, we need to be able to say amen to what is being said. And when we do that, using the minds that God has given us, we agree on what is true and holy. So we've got to be able to communicate. And uh, so I, I work on my, my speaking, okay? I promise you, I'm better. I, you can understand me better now than you would have been able to understand me 15 years ago. Indiana did me good. Got a lot of that out of me. Didn't get it all out of me, but it got a lot of it out of me. All right, number four. There should be blessing from the Word of God. There should be blessing. Verse 20 says, Brethren, uh, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Now, children are, are very egocentric. Uh, amen? It's, it's all about children. The problem is sometimes us adults, we haven't grown up. We still act like children, right? We, we can be very egocentric. But Paul's saying this. He wants us to cease being like children in our thinking. But at the same time, he says that we're, we're to be as innocent as babes in our behavior. So their preoccupation with tongues, uh, it, it, was, um, it, was, it was childish because they, didn't, they weren't concerned about the other person. They were only concerned about themselves, very much about me. And so uh, it, it's childish when, we, um, when, when our experience is favored over truth. We talked about that last week. You know, experience, I'm not necessarily going to question somebody's experience, but experience is not the, the, the it's not how we judge truth. We judge truth by the Word of God. So experience, it could, could, be, it could be the pizza you had at 11 o'clock last night. It could be anything. Um, it's childish when emotion is favored over reason. It's childish when we choose our own will over God's will. It's childish. And Paul says, look, you've got to get past being like children. And that's, that's how you've been. You've got to get past that. So verse 21, and this is a prophecy from the Old Testament. And, and it's just, it's dealing with, Paul's quoting this, but he's talking to the Jews. That look, you, there was a time, I'm going to just read it. In, verse, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people. And yet, for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. And it was a prophecy that the Jews were going to be taken captive. They were going to hear another tongue. I believe it was the Syrians that were going to take them captive. They would hear the Syrians speak that other tongue. They would even understand, but they would not hear from God. And there's a prophecy of that. And Paul's talking here about, it's, again, it's about language and understanding that language. Verse 22, he says, Therefore, tongues are for a sign. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. So he again stated very clearly why tongues were given to start with. They were given as a sign. They were given as a sign. This is, this is not for a church service. It's not for communicating within the church. It was given for a sign to the Jews, and it was given to get the gospel across the language barrier. But he says, but prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who, uh, for those who believe. Verse 23. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, 
Now, there were those who would tell you that the church didn't really gather much together in those days. There wasn't big meetings. But look what Paul says here. He says, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, obviously the church at Corinth was meeting that way. They were meeting as a congregation and all speak with tongues. And there comes in those who are uh, uninformed or unbelievers. They, will they not say that you are out of your minds? You know, you, you come in here and everybody's speaking in tongues. Everybody's talking another language, they would think, what, you guys are all, what is going on? Y'all guys, y'all have lost your minds. We'll go back to the book of Acts. What did they think? They thought that some of the, the apostles, one of the disciples, they thought they were drunk. Early in the day, man, y'all, they're drunk. These, these guys, these Christ followers, they're all out there drunk. No, they're not drunk. They've been overcome by the Holy Spirit. Verse 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all. They hear truth. They hear prophesying. They hear the word of God. They hear it in their language. And they're convinced of that. They're convicted by that. Verse 25. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. So when the word of God is clearly communicated in a language that is clearly understood, it leads to blessings and salvation. So it's about clear communication of the word of God. And we have to do that today. Number five, number five here is order, is order. The hall is going to deal with order in the service, okay? Verse 26, look at what was going on here. He says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you, each of you has a song, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, let all things be done for edification. been preaching for five weeks about tongues in church and I got this outbreak of tongues in the church. What is, what in the world? Alright, all right. if they're going to speak in another language, there has to be an interpreter, right? Anybody know what, can anybody interpret what they just said? Not you? Anybody besides you? 
Listen, we'll talk about that in a minute because women are not supposed to speak in tongues or interpret in church, so you can't. All right, I'm going to tell you what they said. Each one of them just recited the 23rd Psalm. And did any of you have a clue in the world? Nobody, nobody had a clue in the world what they were saying. So you get, now, now you get that with the other tongue. Did, did they, were they speaking truth? They were speaking truth. But it, did it edify anybody in here? Nobody. Now, Marvin may have been edified because he's edified because he's reading it. He understands it. He knows what he's saying. He's reciting the scriptures. It, it's edifying him, but it's not edifying anybody else. So we had, we had pigeon, we had French, we had Portuguese, and we had Spanish. Did it freak anybody out when they started? <laughs> Declan said, he did me, so... Then the rest of y'all, y'all caught on pretty quick what was going on. No, no, it didn't freak anybody out. I, wanted, I was hoping I'd see some faces go. But I thought, man, where are the deacons right now? We got, they're breaking out. And they're... No, what's that? I wanted you to see. I wanted to, I, it hit me yesterday. So I put this together yesterday as I was, I was finishing up. And I thought, you know, we just read this verse. It talks about order in the church. Now, what they did, they all spoke a psalm. But, but imagine now, they all spoke the same thing in a different language. But imagine everybody in the church now, they're, they're, they're speaking something different. They're doing something different, and they're all doing it in a different language. That right there felt a little bit chaotic, right? Because even if you could hear, if you, if you heard them, but you realize ain't none of them speaking English. Um, but I couldn't even, until the other three were done, then I could understand a little bit. I could actually make out what Marvin was saying. I didn't know what he was saying, but I could make out some of the, the I could hear the distinction of that. But it, the verse says they come together. They were coming together in the church. And each one, some had a psalm. They wanted to stand up and read. Some had a teaching. So somebody's over here reading Psalms. Somebody's in the back back there, and they're doing a teaching. Hey, I was studying this week, and this is what I found. And they may be speaking another language or not, but they're back there teaching. Pastor may be up preaching, and then somebody's got a tongue. They're over here speaking in another tongue. The other's got a revelation. The Lord told me. The Lord told me there's a revelation. Then, then there's somebody interpreting. Oh, this is what they're saying. They're saying this. And so you got all of this going on. And, and, and Paul says, look, let all things be done for edification. That was not edifying. Now, now that you know that it was the Psalm 23, you go, oh, okay. They weren't, they weren't blaspheming. It could happen, right? Somebody could come in another tongue and go, oh, this is great. They're speaking in another language. They could be in here just cursing our God. And nobody knows what they're saying. They just smile. And the whole time they're, they're laughing at you because, wow, you've embraced the cursing of God in the very house of God. Because we embrace this thing. Um, so all of them are doing something different. Mass confusion in the church. And so Paul gives some instruction about, about this. Now John Phillips, uh, he's a, commentary, a commentator that I've had, I had the chance of meeting him. He's written a bunch of commentaries. Um, he's dead now. I, maybe eight, ten years he's been gone. But I had the blessing of hanging out with him some. Just a, just a neat, neat man. But he was from Wales. And so he spoke, he could, read the, you know, he could read the phone book, and it was interesting, very interesting. But he was raised in the Brethren Church. Here's what he had to say, because the Brethren Church does things a little different. Not a criticism, they do things different than, than we would do. But here's an observation he made about, about that that would apply to today, some of the, the instances we see of 
things that can be confusing. So he said, I was raised in a fellowship which did not believe in what is called a one-man ministry. That is to say, no one man was the pastor or the preacher. Since all believers are priests, all could minister, especially at the Lord's table, as the Holy Spirit led. Thus, it often happened that one brother in the assembly could give, give out a hymn, Another would lead in prayer. Another would read a passage of Scripture. Another would speak devotionally. Another doctrinally. Another would exhort. If all were truly led by the Spirit, if all were truly led by the Spirit, the, the, results, the result was harmony of Him and prayer and ministry. Often a discernible theme would emerge and all the believers would be edified and encouraged. Here's what he said. More often than not, however carnal brethren or those who had really nothing to say or those who simply liked to be heard or those who had a favorite hymn or scripture passage regardless of whether or not it was suitable to the occasion inflicted themselves on the believers spoiling the Holy Spirit's orchestration of the service. So Paul is talking about order in the service. Things should be done decently and in order. It shouldn't be people talking all over the place and different things going on. Now, I would say all of those things he just mentioned, different people do every, every Sunday. It's amazing as I watch, Raymond will, will teach over here or John will teach over here or, or, or Todd may be in, in his class teach something and then come in here and, and the nail that they were hitting in small groups, I'm hitting in here in the service. Right. And the songs that, that are played are, are hitting the same nail. You know what that is? That's Holy Spirit led. The prayer, call on somebody to come up, and somebody comes up and pray, and their prayer hits right on the same nail. That's Holy Spirit led. And we see that week after week after week here. You, you would think, some have told me several times, said you would think that you and Raymond tag-teamed and, and planned out your, your lessons. Because Raymond will teach something, then come in here, and it's, it's like, you, you, okay, you just want to make sure we got what Raymond said. And, and we don't. Never once have we talked about, well, I'm teaching this, you know, I'm teach this, how this will work together. Pastor Aaron, Pastor Aaron is, uh, he's probably two months out, three months out in songs that we're going to do. He's, he's planning. I, I don't know for sure what I'm going to preach next Sunday. Okay? So we're not coordinating that way. I am really seek the Lord, and he seeks the Lord, but the Lord prepares him different than the Lord prepares me. And yet the Lord puts it together. So as we're submitted to the Lord and we have order in our service, boy, it's so edifying. It's peaceful, right? All right, verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, so he's giving some more instruction right here. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. Verse 28. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So Paul now, remember, these are gifts that are in practice in that day. Paul limits his favorite gift, which was prophesying. He, he limited that gift the same as he did his least favorite gift in the service, which was tongues. And he says no more than three were to speak in tongues. So if there were more than three, is that of God? No, no it's, it's not. It's out of place. God doesn't lead people to contradict his word. Y'all hear that? I, I hear people say sometimes, well, God told me to do something. Well, I'm going to just tell you, if it's contrary to the Word of God, God didn't tell you to do that. Amen. Never. He never conflicts and contradicts His Word. So um, do all speak at once? Should they all speak at once? It's not of God. That should not be. 
There must be an interpreter. He says there must be an interpreter. If not, then keep silent in the church. There shouldn't have been any of that. He also limits preachers. He said, look, if you're going to have different people preach and speak and, and that way, he limits it to three as well. And, and I read one commentator, and he made a lot of sense. He said, look, it just makes sense to do that. You have four or five guys preach one Sunday morning, you're going to wear people slap out. You're going to wear them out, and they're going to be like, I ain't going back. I'm, I'm, that's enough. I'm, I'm not doing that again. Okay? So, it's, so there's a practical reason to that, but it's order in the church. And then he says, and let the others judge. And, and this rule was particularly vital before the completion of the, of the New Testament canon. All preaching and teaching must be tested by the Bible and be in keeping with sound principles of hermeneutics. Uh, now that the Bible is complete, we have no excuse for tolerating error. Amen? Amen. So when, when something is taught, you should go back and study it out. Do not take what Pastor Conrad said as, as your uh, proof that something's true or not true. Okay? You go back and you study the Word of God. And, and you, you, you see if you come to the same conclusion based on good hermeneutics. Not on preference, not on opinion, but on truly exegeting the passage. Uh, so, now, so we have the completed Word of God. Now, any time you have somebody who has an extra biblical revelation today, whether it's tongues or prophesying or words of wisdom or words of knowledge, all of that is suspect. I mean, I would say it just doesn't even... If somebody says, I have a word from the Lord, I'm going to go, yep, I do too, right here. I do too. Now, you may have a word out of the book that you want to share. You feel moved to share. Great. But if you're going to tell me you got a word and it ain't, it ain't the word, it's out of, from the word, outside of the word, and we got a problem. And, and here's the deal. Uh, if what is said is indeed by inspiration, then it's already in the Bible. And, and therefore, we don't need it. If it's not in the Bible, we don't want it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, all right. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be done here in just a minute. So I'm going I'm to wrap up the rest of this chapter because there's a whole lot. Basically, you get to the end, and Paul is just stating his authority as, a, as an apostle that I, that I am telling you these things. This is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God didn't give this to you. He gave it to me. But I'm, I'm writing these things to you under the authority of the Word of God. That's what he says at the end. But verse 34 and 35, I want to hit that real quick. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time because this is very straightforward, very simple. Okay, verse 34 and 35, uh, last point here is let your women keep silent. Okay, that will be the heading. Verse 34, let your women keep silent in churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also says. And they are not to learn, uh, and if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Amen. <laughs> pretty much, that's pretty straightforward, right, guys? That pretty much, that's... <laughs> we'll see who gets in trouble with all the, with the amens. Well, oh, I didn't hear many of them. The guys were like... Mm. <laughs> all right, so here, here's the deal. Does this, could this verse possibly mean women should be silent in church? It can't. Because again, let's go, let's look at a couple of things. First of all, we talk about context. That's not the context of the scripture. It's not talking about what women do. It's just talking about what's the context of the scripture. It's all about tongues. It's the abuse of gifts in the church. Now, Paul does make, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he does put a prohibition down here. But it is not women can't open their mouths in church. That's not what it is. It's talking about, now he's already laid down 
not every man can speak in tongues. Only three in a service. It's got to be limited to that. Any more than that, now you're outside of the will of God. You, no, even the gift of prophesying, only three. Whatever they are, they had to be in order. All this. So he's limited even men, what men can do in the service, right? You can only do so much in the service. But what he does say here, and, and what, this, what Paul is saying is, women are not to speak in tongues. He prohibited that. So while men were limited to three, he says women are not to speak in tongues. They're not to speak in tongues in the church. They're not to speak. They are to keep silent in the church. It had nothing to do. We go back to chapter, I think, 11, where we went through this. Women can pray. Women can teach. Women can, can serve in the church in so many ways. They are under the authority of male authority in the church. That's God-given. If you've got an issue with it, go back and listen to that message. But go take it up with God because that's what God has set up. It's not sexist. Paul wasn't sexist. It's God... Uh, God freed up women through Paul's ministry. The things that were written, he freed up women. They, have, they, were, they were freed up in ways they had never been before. So he says, no tongues. No, they're not to speak, so no tongues. No interpreting. No interpreting. Okay, you about, you about got into sin there. You were out of place. No interpreting. Um, but the, the other thing was this, and we dealt with this earlier. We talked about where the women who now had this new freedom... And they come into the church and they have this new freedom. There's a chance the women sit over here and the men sit over here. And so what would sometimes happen, the women were freed up in a way, there's some chatter going on. There might have been conversations going on about what was being said up here. Conversation over here, it's a distraction in the church. They might have been yelling over to their husband and going, hey, what does that mean? What did he just say? What does that mean? Okay, so that could have been going on. It could have been that someone was speaking in tongues and they were interpreting, and, and they were then they were they were pushing back against the interpretation. Okay, but what Paul says is no speaking in tongues at all, no interpretation of tongues at all, and he says no interrupting, no interrupting. And he says so if you got questions, instead of having chatter, instead of asking across and disrupting the service, ask at home, find out at home. And he assumed that. Husbands could teach their wives doctrinally, scripturally at home, as our husbands should be able to do. Amen? Should be able to do. That's what, that's the context of that right there. And since tongues and those have ceased, it doesn't even apply. It doesn't even apply today, except when you were about to give an interpretation. <laughs> okay? All right. So, what we come to. What we come to then at the end of 14, and I'm going to wrap it up right here, is this. There, there still has to be order in the service. Yeah. Now, you, you, you may say, I, I have no problem with churches who, who congregationally, they don't have a pastor. They want to do, if they want to do it that, that way, that, that congregation can determine that. That's not what we've determined. So we don't have, you know, we don't have debates in the middle of the service. You know, if I get up here and start speaking heresy, y'all, y'all jump in and stop it. You better stop it. I'm just flat out. I come up here and say, you know what? Jesus wasn't virgin born. I have been studying this out, and I've come to the conclusion that Jesus really wasn't virgin born. Y'all can shut me up. You better grab me and sh- just say, all right, you're done. You're done. That's it. Okay? Because that, that's, that's a huge, huge problem. You got, but, but don't get into debate with me in the middle of the, on something you go, well, I never heard it that way. Wait till the end, and let's have a conversation or whatever. All right, make sense? We've got to have order. We've got to have order. We don't want to disrupt. We don't want to be a distraction in this service. We don't want to do anything that is a distraction 
for someone else. Because someone else, the Holy Spirit may be dealing with them. And if you're up moving around, you're over here having a side conversation. Any of these things can be a distraction. You know what would be the worst thing in the world? Is, is somebody, somebody sitting right here is, is under conviction. And you're over here and y'all are running around and up and down and chattering or whatever. You distract them and now what the Holy Spirit of God was doing in their heart has been quenched. Been distracted from that. We don't, we don't want that. So what we all do, and I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and I thank y'all for doing this. But if, if you got to, man, I understand. If you got to go to the bathroom, get up and go during the service. Go quietly. Go to the back. When we start the invitation, please don't leave. Unless it's an emergency, please don't leave. We get into the invitation time. It's the most important part of our service. This is, this is an altar right here. This is not stairs. We use them as stairs, but this is altar. It's a place to come and pray. And this morning, you go, well, preacher, you really have, there's not, there's not, not a challenge. We're, we're not speaking in tongues in this church. We don't have disorder in our church. I, but you know what? Here's what I do know. We've, we've worked through the Word of God, and the Word of God doesn't return void. And so God may be working on your heart this morning about something that has nothing to do with what we've, we just talked about. And you may need to come down to this altar. And so don't be moving around and leaving because it can, again, distract what God is doing in this invitation time. All right, so we're going to do this a little different this morning. Um, we're, not gonna, uh, we're, not gonna, we're not even going to sing. Jim's going to play Amazing Grace for us. And we're just going to have a time where you sit and, and, and you can bow your heads and just have a time this morning uh, to reflect on what you've heard or what God is speaking to your heart about. If you've never been born again, and if you go, preacher, I don't know what that means, then I would say you've probably never been born again. But if you've never been born again, meaning you've never been saved from your sin, that God has not saved your soul from sin, and you're here this morning, and you go, preacher, I don't even know what that means. I would love to talk to you. I'd love to take the scriptures and walk you right through the gospel, the good news, because we're sinners, we're separated from God by our sin, but Jesus, the good news is, he died in our place, paid for our sin. He, he was buried and he rose again the third day. And he offers us eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. I'd love to share that with you this morning. And, and so it's as simple as this. When we start playing, you can just step out and come down here. My, myself or my wife or Raymond, somebody, we'll, we'll take you right through the word of God. Introduce you to the Lord Jesus this morning. But maybe there's something else on your heart. Maybe there's something you need to pray for. I'd ask you to pray for Ann Pellegrino this morning. Her mother went home, uh, pray she went home to be with the Lord. She passed on Thursday evening. And um, long journey. I, I commend, I, I think I've texted Ann this, I've said it publicly. I, I watched somebody honor their mother. Just watched as she just loved her mother through this long process. And uh, she, she, she passed on Thursday night. So pray for Ann. Uh, pray for, pray for Jarilla Kaposia this morning. She's still in the hospital. Got some major breathing issues. She needs a touch from the Lord. So lift her up. And there's needs all over. There's needs you know about. And so I invite you. Uh, if there's something on your heart, come down to this altar. Give it to the Lord this morning. You go, well, I can pray right there where I am. Okay, then pray right there where you are. But don't put it off. God's speaking to your heart. There's power. There's just something I'm convinced about coming to that altar and casting your care upon the Lord.
So we'll play here in just a moment. I'm going to pray. We'll play. And if you want to sing, you can sing. If you want to sit and pray, sit and pray. We'll just do it a little different this morning. Father, thank you for uh, our time together. Bless now. Bless now in this time of invitation. As we, as we think about what we've heard, as we listen in our own heart and our own spirit to what, God, you are telling us. Maybe there's something we need to confess to you. Maybe there's something we need to give to you. Maybe there's something we need to give up this morning. Maybe there's someone we need to lift up this morning. But whatever it is, I pray that we'll be, we'll be obedient to what it is you're leading us to do this morning. And, uh, well, Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray.